Welcome to our Catechism class. It's a weekly look at the Heidelberg Catechism to help you learn Christian doctrine with a warm and practical application. Each lesson has its own study guide, and the web link to find that guide can be found in the episode notes. Okay, let's start the lesson. So welcome, welcome again to our Catechism class, and we've already had a short look at one of the issues raised in Lord's Day 22, question 57, where we're asked, what comfort does the resurrection of the body offer you? And the answer we're expected to give is, not only shall my soul after this life immediately be taken up to Christ my head, but also this my flesh, raised by the power of Christ, shall be reunited with my soul and made like Christ's glorious body. Now remember that I decided to look at this question and answer in several parts, just to see what happens to the soul at death, and we did that in the last lesson, and then to find out a little bit about the physical resurrection of the dead when Christ returns on the very last day. So this lesson is about my human body, my flesh, being reunited with my soul and made to be like the resurrected, glorified body of Jesus, my Saviour. I'm Bob McAvoy, and this is the Semper Reformata Podcast. Just before we begin, it would be good to read from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 34 to verse 54, just to prepare ourselves for this lesson. So just now pause the podcast or pause the recording and we'll read. Read from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35 to 54, and then start the podcast again. Okay, so you'll have noticed that there's four elements to our catechism answer, and we're going to look at each of them in turn. The first one is, what does the catechism actually mean by my flesh? And we've already noted that many Christians, while believing firmly in the truth that there is life after this earthly life has ended, and that for those who are Christ's, that eternal life will be heavenly joy and happiness in the presence of the Saviour himself. And yet some Christians seem to neglect, to some extent, the fact that the Bible teaches a physical, bodily resurrection. Now that was the problem in Corinth back in the days of the Apostle Paul. The believers there knew with great assurance that they would go straight to heaven after death. They just weren't too sure about what happened to the body. Like many of us, they'd been to funerals. They'd seen their relatives, people they loved, laid down in the earth or cremated on a funeral pyre. And they knew, yes, they were convinced that they would never see these people in a physical form ever again. You can think of the modern parallel very easily, where you stand at an open grave and the minister says the words of committal, earth to earth, dust to dust, ashes to ashes, 
to await the general resurrection of the dead on the last day, and you ignore the words because you know, like the Corinthians, that dead men don't rise. But they do. And so Paul reminds them of the reality of the resurrection of the dead. He reminds them that one day they will rise from the dead and would be physical human beings in a physical universe. It was and it is a distinctly biblical doctrine. The book of Job, one of the earliest New Testament books, referring to the events in the ancient history of Israel, contains this amazing passage by Job in Job 19, verse 25 to verse 27. Job said, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth, And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Job was confident that he would see God, not just in some kind of a spiritual sense, not just in his soul, but physically. After his body has been rotted away into destruction, he would see God in his own flesh. Isaiah knew this too. Isaiah 26 and 19, Your dead shall live. Together with my dead body they shall arise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in dust. For your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. But then we must ask, How could such a miracle happen? Our instructor tells us that we will be raised by the power of Christ. Recently I've been looking at this in a series of sermons. We've been looking at the power of Christ. Romans chapter 1 and verse 3 to 4. Read it and there's part of it says, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness, By the resurrection from the dead. Resurrection power. That same power that created the worlds, the universe, out of nothing. The power that created a man and then a woman, literally out of the dust of the earth. The power of God that breathed life into the womb of the Virgin Mary to bring the baby Jesus, God's only begotten Son, into this world. The power that raised up Jesus from the dead and that empowered his ascension into heaven and that seated him in heavenly places and that will bring an end to all evil and wickedness at the last day. That mighty power of God is more than enough to raise our decayed human bodies from the dust and reunite them with our eternal souls. Romans 8 and 11 But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. If we know Christ, we already know his power, for we already have it in dwelling us through the Holy Spirit, working to cleanse us and to prepare us for glory. Philippians 3 and 10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Listen to this wonderful commentary in these verses from the Amplified Bible. Here's how it reads. And this, so that I may know him experientially, 
becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely, and in the same way experience the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in believers, and that I may share the fellowship of his sufferings by being continually conformed inwardly into his likeness, even to his death, dying as he did so that I may attain to the resurrection that will raise me from the dead. That's it. But the Catechist also talks about how my flesh, raised by the power of Christ, shall be reunited with my body. And let's think for a moment about this meeting again of body and soul on the last day. The Catechist tells us that on the last day, our souls, which have been with the Lord, will be reunited with our body, now raised from the dust of the ground. Now, somebody will say it can't be the same body, though, can it, right? We're bound to receive a new body. Surely, after all, this body I have, well, it's not exactly attractive, is it? I'm thinking about myself here. I'm a bit overweight. And I've got heart issues. I've got two stents. And I've got diabetes and I get a bit sore and tired and I'd really like some new body work, please. Not this old, worn-out body that I've been living in for nearly 70 years. Here's Matt Perman writing on the Desiring God website. And I quote, The Bible teaches that the resurrection is a transformation of the same bodies we had on earth. As humans... We are not just spiritual, but physical. Our bodies are a very important part of our identity. They are part of who we are. Therefore, if we deny that we are raised with the same bodies we had on earth, we're denying a significant part of our identity. At the same time, if we deny that our resurrected bodies are transformed, we are left with a depressing idea that we will be forever subject to the weaknesses we now have, such as sickness and fatigue, etc. As Piper has said, that's John Piper, the old body will become a new body, but it will still be your body. There will be continuity. God is able to do what we cannot imagine. The resurrection is not described in terms of a totally new creation, but in terms of of a change of the old creation. Matt Perman nails it. Our physical bodies will be restored to be God-honouring, glorifying bodies, just as God intended, just as Adam and Eve were after creation in the Garden of Eden before the fall of man. So the Catechist tells us that our bodies will be made like Christ's glorious body. Our flesh will be transformed. We need to go back to 1 Corinthians 15. I hope you did that reading earlier on, where Paul gives us a hint of the differences when he sets out a series of comparisons. In 1 Corinthians 15, 42 down to 45, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonour, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. 
It has sown a natural body. It has raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Let's think about those differences between this body and the body that we will have like Christ's glorious body. Paul talks about corruption versus incorruption in verse 43. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. In this world, everything is subject to corruption and to decay. So a hymn writer put it like this. In a hymn we often sing at funerals, Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth's joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. In our new resurrection bodies there will be no change, no decay, no more birthdays. And then he talks about dishonour versus honour. Paul writes, it is sown in dishonour, it is raised in glory. Our bodies often let us down. That's often the case. That dishonour comes upon a person due to the fact that they have yielded to some bodily temptation. I mean, sexual sin is just one example. The must-have greed of this world is another. These things lead to sin and to dishonour in our new resurrection bodies. All that temptation to sin and dishonour will be gone, for our new bodies will be spiritual bodies. Nothing illustrates the dishonour of this present body more than death itself. In death we have the very degradation of mankind, the most regal, the most important, the wealthiest, the poorest and the most humble all suffer the same indignity. We're placed in a box. We're shamed. We're deprived of all this world's goods. We are doomed to dust. But in the resurrected body, the human body will be transformed into a glorious body. As Paul tells us in Philippians 3 and 21, who shall change, it's the work of Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So corruption becomes incorruption. Dishonour becomes honour. Weakness becomes power. Paul writes, it is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Think of the inherent weaknesses of these human bodies. How many times do we have to attend for clinical tests? How many times do we fall prey to viruses and bacteria? How often do bodily parts fail us? The commonest little bug born on a draught of air can kill us and we're weak. And the strongest among us has limitations on his strength. And again in death, that weakness reaches its inevitable conclusion. Second Corinthians 5 and 1 For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God. And house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. The resurrection, weakness, is raised in power. And lastly, Paul says it's natural versus spiritual. 
verse 44, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And here's the reason why all of that applies. Here and now we have a physical body. But then our body, our physical body will be spiritual. The interesting word here is the word body, the same Greek word that is used to describe both our physical body in this life and our spiritual body in the next life. The Greek word is soma. There are certain differences in these two bodies, but the spiritual body is a physical body. It will be a body remade by God to live in a new environment. It will be perfected and glorified and it will be fit to be in the presence of Christ. First John 3 and 2 Beloved, now are we the sons of God? And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So our bodies will be fully equipped for eternal life, to dwell forever with the Lord. So what have we learned in this lesson? We've learned, first of all, that by the power of the risen, ascended Christ, my flesh, my body, will be raised to eternal life and body and soul will be reunited and changed. Not a new body, but this human body made to be like Christ's body, fully equipped for spiritual, eternal fellowship with God forever in the new heaven and the new earth. And it will all happen when Christ returns. So we say with Paul, Maranatha, And with John, even so, come Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, Please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.